Welcome to No Rain Date, a community podcast about local news and people. No Rain Date is a production of Saucon Source LLC. For more local news and information, please visit SaucinSource.com. Hello, No Rain Date listeners and friends. This is Josh Popachek, your host for No Rain Date and the publisher of Sock and Source, here with another news roundup. This one is for episode 37, the week ending January 16th, 2021. And it has been a busy news week in Sock and Valley and once again throughout the country as fallout continues from the insurrection that occurred on Capitol Hill on January 6th. So much has happened, it seems, since since then. The most significant development this week has been the vote to impeach President Donald Trump, who's only president for a few more days, in the House of Representatives. That was widely watched. Wednesday was sort of a day where everybody held their breath, I think, and uh, was waiting for the outcome I know I was watching a lot of live coverage of the session in the House of Representatives at which the case was being made by mainly Democrats, but some Republicans too, to vote to impeach Trump for incitement of insurrection. And that did ultimately pass by, I think the count was 232 to 197 something like that. And about 10 Republicans crossed over the aisle to vote in favor of impeachment. What happens next is that the articles of impeachment will be sent to the Senate, where a trial will be held. That likely won't happen until after Joe Biden's inauguration on January 20th, which, as I said, is just a few days away now. However, there's great concern in Washington and in state capitals all around the country for security due to the increased threat of continued protests that certainly could turn violent like the one at Capitol Hill did. In fact, there has been a lot of talk about a protest taking place in all the capitals by Trump supporters on Sunday, January 17th. And of course, Inauguration Day itself will be totally different than inaugurations in the past. There will be very little public presence at this event. It's basically going to be online, and the mall in Washington will be closed. The entire city of Washington, D.C. is essentially on a lockdown at this point due to what happened. That's going to continue for the the near term, certainly. There are something like 25,000 National Guard troops in D.C. or in the process of being deployed to D.C. at this point. That number seems to keep going up. I think originally it was 10,000, then it was 15,000. Now it's 25,000. Certainly we've never seen anything like that in modern times. You're, You're seeing all these pictures of National Guard members sleeping on the floor of the Capitol. They're there around the clock. And now there are even things like crowdfunding, fundraisers to like you know, pay for a pizza for some of them. And I did that the other day because I thought, you know, they're sleeping on the floor to protect our our nation's capital. You know, that's the least we can do. And so, yeah, those pictures are, are humbling 
and I hope everybody is is realizing the the magnitude and the severity of the situation that we're in this <laughs> this we can't just sort of like laugh something like this off or say here we go again because nothing like this has ever happened before hopefully we're taking the steps now to ensure that it will never happen again obviously a, there's a tremendous amount of effort being poured into the investigations into the individuals who were behind the insurrection and every day we're getting news flashes about additional domestic terrorists is really what they what they were being arrested and charged with very serious crimes that could you know land them in jail for decades if they are convicted and i'm not even talking about a murder charge because there there likely will be felony murder charges at some point due to the fact that a capitol police officer was killed by the insurrectionists. Additional charges of sedition are also possible in a number of cases. I think as of Saturday, something like 80 individuals who stormed the Capitol had been charged, but hundreds of other cases are open. So this is going to go on for a long time, and it's mind-boggling, to be honest, that it happened and then you know all the fallout from it. Members of Congress are even being looked at due to the fact that in the days before the storming of the Capitol, particularly the day before, which was January 5th, Democratic congressmen have reported seeing Republican members of Congress giving tours to groups inside the Capitol, which was unusual because tours really haven't been given since the start of the coronavirus pandemic for obvious reasons. It's not really a safe time to be doing that, but due to congressional privilege and the fact that these, I think in many cases, were new lawmakers, I think that there was some leeway given to them if they said that these were their constituents. Well, the fear is that they were perhaps their constituents, but they were also planning the attack and they were using these tours as reconnaissance missions. And that is how they essentially knew where certain offices were the next day. Information continues to come out about how close the insurrectionists actually came to getting into the floor of the Senate where Mike Pence had been just moments before. Something like a a minute separated the leading edge of the mob that stormed the building and him leaving, or a minute or a hundred feet. Part of that fact that he was able to escape was due to a heroic Capitol Police officer, Eugene Goodman, who acted as a decoy and led the mob, risked his own life to lead them away from the Senate, and that gave them the extra time to evacuate the vice president, whose life was in mortal danger. There were chants of hang Mike Pence among the crowd. A gallows was erected outside with a noose on it, a functional gallows. Many other Congress members, of course, were also in danger, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and many, many more. It's a miracle that nobody else was killed. I think we all realize that this could have been so much worse now. And next time, if we don't address this seriously and and as a, a great betrayal to our nation, next time the worst might happen. So I applaud the Congress members that are taking this seriously and investigating and 
taking seriously the duty they have to uphold the Constitution. The Congress member from the Lehigh Valley, U.S. Representative Susan Wild, who represents the 7th District, did vote in favor of impeaching Trump on Wednesday, and we covered that in a story about the historic vote. Trump became the first president in American history to be impeached twice. And I think it's interesting to note that he was impeached twice within a four-year term. He wasn't even a two-term president being impeached twice. So (laughs) that's pretty amazing. The insurrection having happened just two weeks before his term ended on Inauguration Day, the fact that they were able to conduct an impeachment in so little time is also quite remarkable. In the past, it normally takes a much longer time because uh, there there are committees in Congress that study evidence, and basically all of that was bypassed in this case due to the gravity of what happened and also the fact that there is so little time before he leaves office. So we'll be continuing to follow the fallout from what happened there, and of course, if there is local involvement by individuals or individuals from this area are criminally prosecuted. That is something that we will cover. It is possible that individuals from the Lehigh Valley area, Poconos, Bucks County, were certainly present at the rally and maybe in the march to the Capitol. Now, whether anybody from our area actually stormed the Capitol, there has been no documentation of that to date. But what we are seeing is individuals from all around the the United States being charged with crimes. Even a gold medal winner, a former Olympian, has been charged. Cleet, his his last name escapes me at the moment, but he was in the uh, 2000, 2004, and 2008 Olympics, I believe was most recently working as a realtor in Colorado, he was inside the Capitol. He's six foot six, so he towered over the people around him. He was not wearing a mask, and he was wearing his Olympic jacket. So he was pretty easy to identify in the photos and the video. That's happening a lot because there is so much video and photographic evidence from the scene. I know in some cases there have been attempts by individuals to delete it, but There are often ways for investigators to retrieve files or data that have been quote-unquote deleted for investigative purposes. So we're seeing a massive investigation, nothing like that ever before, and like I said, hopefully never again. We had a story about heightened security that is in place now at the Pennsylvania State Capitol in Harrisburg due to what happened in Washington, D.C. That began this week and will continue at least through Inauguration Day. There will be streets closed in the area of the Capitol. There will be drones being used, helicopters. The state Capitol Police are coordinating with the Pennsylvania State Police and Harrisburg City Police on their response to protect the Capitol and also the residents of Harrisburg, which has been the scene of numerous protests in the past year, including some that attracted right-wing extremists. Those were primarily against COVID-19 restrictions. 
but there was always an element of politics, of course, in these protests, many of which targeted Democratic Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf and his Secretary of Health, Dr. Rachel Levine, who have led the response in the state. And in many cases, the disagreement over their response has been along partisan lines. That has only grown deeper in the past 10 months. And and that's a contributing factor to the danger, I would say, that, that many politicians, of course, are in right now. But also anybody that might be in the way of a group that wants to do similar destruction to what we saw on January 6th. So it remains to be seen if there will be a large protest in Harrisburg. Certainly, if you are going there, expect to encounter uh, closed roads and heavy security. It's not going to be like it was last summer or last spring when these protests uh, were held out there. The climate change has changed drastically. Speaking of COVID in Saucon Valley, we did have an update from the school district this past week about additional cases in the district. There were a couple of new cases in both the elementary and middle schools. However, the majority of the new cases, I believe it was seven, and this is since January 4th, since students returned from the winter break, the majority of cases were in the high school. For that reason, and adhering to Pennsylvania Department of Education guidelines, Superintendent Dr. Craig Butler made the decision to close the school to in-person instruction at the end of the week. That would be Thursday and Friday. Now, Monday is a holiday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and Butler said that he is hopeful that students will be able to return to in-person classes on Tuesday. So we will be following that to see if that happens. In the meantime, athletics have gotten off to a start, winter sports, and we are covering wrestling. The Saucon Valley wrestlers are kicking some butt like they usually do. Off to a great start this season, they crushed Salisbury 57-6, and then right after that, they dominated Catasauqua 54-18, and our intrepid Sports reporter Keith Riefenstahl has been there to document the action, and you'll want to check out his coverage of the Panther wrestlers this past week and and coming up as well. And I would add that it's great to see that they are doing everything they can to keep wrestlers and also the coaches and support staff safe. Everybody is wearing masks, even the wrestlers, while they're wrestling. And I think that's that's fantastic. Of course, there are no guarantees, but if you can, you know, reduce the spread of aerosols in any way, you're going to reduce the risk of transmitting COVID-19. Even though vaccinations have started and we have had a lot of stories about the vaccine, we just had another one yesterday, the rates of infection have not gone down very much and the deaths from COVID-19 are very high right now. In some states, they are on the brink of a true crisis like California. Fortunately, Pennsylvania is not seeing that level of death and hospitalization, but certainly things here are not good. If you look at the numbers, there was a, a significant decline due to, I would say, 
the ban on indoor dining that was enacted over the Christmas New Year's period. However, that ended January 4th, and we are seeing the numbers tick back up, not surprisingly. Not just because of dining either, but, you know, people being back in work, being back in school, just moving around more. uh, It's inevitable that there will be an increase in the number of new cases. So we have to continue to be vigilant and practice hand washing, mask wearing, social distancing, and still support our businesses as much as possible. Speaking of businesses, we have Hellertown Lower Saucon Restaurant Week coming up starting Sunday, January 17th. And Saucon Source is proud to be a sponsor of the 2021 Winter Restaurant Week in Hellertown, Lower Saucon. There are 18 different restaurants participating, which is fantastic. I think that's a record number. And we have a story on the site with all of them listed, links to their websites or Facebook pages, and of course, links to the Hellertown, Lower Saucon Chamber site, which has all of the special offers listed. Now, in a normal year, most of the restaurants would be offering like a pre- fee dining deal so you would get a special menu and two courses for twenty dollars or three courses for twenty five dollars something like that some restaurants are still offering that but you probably can get it to go in addition to dining in some restaurants are offering a gift card special or a percentage discount there's a wide variety of offers i know drip the Flavor Lab, which was formerly Mystical Treats, they have a pretty cool family meal deal where you can get four burgers, four cheeseburgers, or regular burgers, four fries, and four sodas for just $25. Plus, you can replace the sodas with their craft cider for servings or a growler of their cider, which is pretty amazing. I tried a couple different varieties Yesterday, they have a hoppy one, if you like IPAs, called Hypnotize. You might want to check that out. Their uh, burgers are also delicious. They have vegan options. Even if you don't want to take advantage of the restaurant week deal, check out their regular menu. And and check out all of the, the restaurants. And I know with 18 participating, you probably won't get to all of them between the 17th and the 23rd. But if you just get to a few that will make a big difference because many of them have struggled, especially with the restrictions over the holiday period. They will be most grateful for your support. So check out that story. Finally, I wanted to mention that we have a profile of a new business in Fountain Hill on Sock and Source. It's called Thistle and Company. And this is a DIY decor business. So essentially you can go there and bring a piece of furniture and use their artist materials, paints and different things to create a new look. Or they have items there that you can purchase and paint on. It's sort of a new concept in in this area anyway, but pretty cool because that way you don't have to, you know, put paper down all around your own house. You know, they have a studio set up where, you know, you can you can easily paint something without sort of taking apart your house. And our reporter, Johnny Hart, did a great write-up about Thistle and Company, and they're located on Broadway in Fountain Hill in the former Coaches Florist building, which is a beautiful 
turn-of-the-century Victorian home that was actually once a funeral home, too. It's nice to see a new business in Fountain Hill, always. I wish them much success, and it is by appointment only right now, so check out their website for additional information. And if you know of a new business in the area, Hellertown, Lower Saucon, Fountain Hill, Coopersburg, Upper Saucon, even Upper Bucks, drop us a line. Let us know about it. We'd love to help get the word out on when there's a new business. You can email me at josh at sockensource.com or send a message, of course, through our Sock and Source Facebook page. Those are probably the best ways to get in touch. And those are the headlines for this week. Like I said, it's been a very busy week, and we look forward to bringing you more of the news next week. Here at Sock and Source, our mission is to provide information and make it as available as possible to the people in our community. A large part of that is a public service, and we're grateful for the support we have from local advertisers because that revenue helps keep the information flowing to you, our readers and listeners. Local news production does cost money, and that's why we've also introduced a voluntary membership option on Sock and Source, and we'd like to tell you a little more about that. Essentially, the membership is a recurring monthly contribution that shows your support for the work that we're doing. It helps guarantee that the information will remain free and accessible to you as well as to others in our community and it also helps fund our future growth. Sock and Source is growing and we're expanding our coverage area. The more support we receive from the community, the better coverage we can provide and the more useful the site will be to you. So that's why we would invite you to visit our membership page on the website sockandsource.com. You can do that by clicking on join under my sock and source, which you'll see on the right side of your screen if you're on a desktop or at the bottom of any article page. You'll see several membership options, including a monthly membership for $7, a four-month membership for $25, or a yearly membership for $70. These are strictly voluntary contribution levels, and they're not any part of a paywall. There's no requirement to contribute, but we are grateful for those who have already done so, and we hope that you will consider purchasing a membership in the future. Doing so is quick and easy. You can do it securely online, and you can cancel at any time. Thank you again to all our current members, and thank you for considering becoming a future member. It's my pleasure this week on No Rain Date to welcome somebody who's a new business owner in the Saucon Valley, but not a traditional business owner in the sense that he's partnering with our local, one of our local fire companies, Dewey Fire Company in Hellertown. He is the new caterer at Dewey, which is in the process of renovating and reopening their banquet facility as well as their bar. It's going to be amazing. More information about that is going to be appearing in the future. But for right now, we want to talk to Chef Joe Stout of Chef Meals and Chef Street Kitchen about what he's doing and the awesome food that that he's introducing to Hellertown. Welcome to No Rain Day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Chef Joe here. Thank you. My pleasure. 
And and Chef Joe is is no stranger to media. Like he has a, a great website where he has videos that you can watch of some of the the cooking that he's done. And you've been in the food business for what something like twenty years or more than that. About twenty three years. You know, since I was sixteen years old, I come from a family of chefs, and like it's uh, just in my DNA. <laughs> <laughs> So did you like start working in a restaurant like at an early age, like just cooking or? So I, I actually started being a dishwasher. That's how I started in this career. I was, you know, elbow juice back then. There was no dish machine. There was a three compartment sink. And that's how I managed, you know, that's where I started, you know, washing dishes. And just basically, you know, starting from like being a dishwasher, working my way up in the kitchen. I was going to, you know, technical school as well for construction, and I did uh, culinary for some time. But I realized culinary was more of like where I wanted to be, which was great. Just seeing, you know, just having that experience, you know, and just starting somewhere. Believe me, kitchen life back then was different than kitchen life is today. There was veterans in that kitchen that used to like, you know, score you, and you come back the next day and do it again. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so. You know, it's uh, I enjoy it. You know, I really love it. It's a passion of mine. I look at it like this. I never worked a day in my life. You know, I'm doing what you love. You never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I feel the same way about what I do. And we're both both involved in creative things, definitely. And I can see the passion, like for the food, it comes through when you talk about it and how you you prepare everything and source the ingredients. We were talking about this yesterday. You. You try to source like local ingredients whenever you can, and we were talking about like tofu, and I didn't even know that there was locally produced tofu. So, tell us about like your your philosophy when it comes to that. Yeah, so when it comes to like you know, I'm always a believer of supporting local, you know, because it's those the small people that you know you have a better customer service experience, you have a better quality product, and you know who you're dealing with. In my philosophy, in my opinion of how I see it, is that, you know, support local. It's a great thing because, you know, you're either supporting a family man, family woman, you know, in their business versus, you know, some high-end CEO, you know, you might be just paying towards their Porsche or something. But I, I'm always, a, you know, a firm believer of supporting local because there's a lot more into it. For example, a few years ago, I was actually in Lancaster County on a farm. I got to experiment what it takes to be an Amish farmer without the power tools, everything was manual. Hmm. And it was a very good learning experience for me and just, you know, take in like what we do in day out and of our lives and what it is for their lives and their culture and how they produce a high quality product with the family and the little ones out there on the farm. And mm-hmm. just, it was a great, you know, it was a great experience for the day. I'm always about, you know, supporting local because it's great by doing it because you're giving back to your small community and so with my network of you know farmers i do support with two different farmers new jersey and pa josh you just said the tofu yeah tofu is relocated in allentown you know i used to use them at my other company and you know but it's, it's really great quality tofu mm-hmm. and i'm looking to introduce that more into my meal plan with them because, you know, tofu is a hard product to work with, you know, mm-hmm. to cook. But as far as texture, you know, that tofu is just amazing. 
it's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing to support local, you know, as much as you possibly can. Yeah, I know we were we were also talking about like sailors and company. You you've kind of that's a, a recent find for you because you just started up in Hellertown, but they're well known for their like meats, of course, highly highly regarded for their selection of of things like well, almost every kind of meat. <laughs> but but you you yourself have a focus with you have different focuses, but one of them is to provide healthier meals for those that, that want to eat clean and you have vegan options, you have gluten-free. I think part of that comes from your own journey, right? Like at one time you had a had a struggle with eating healthily. <laughs> Is that a, a good way to put it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, the meal prep, I like to say to anyone, you know, uh, my story goes a long way with meal prep and you know, healthy eating, cleaning. I mean, it all started with myself. I used to be 356 pounds. I was a beast my whole life. I had back problems, I had knee problems, I had sleep apnea. Luckily, I didn't have diabetes. But it got to a point that, you know, battling and being big the whole life, you know, I tried to do, like, back in the day, was like the Atkins diet. I tried that. You know, it lasted maybe six months. So I'm always about, you know, just my own story, you know, how can I help others? I was that person, you know, when people, you know, if I'm selling, you know, giving my product, it's, you know, the story behind it, it started with me. So I'm more about, I'm a living experience of eating right, eating clean, and changing ways how you perceive things and eat food. Like I said, food is wealth. You know, food is what you are, what you eat. So if you eat good, you're going to feel good. You eat crap, well, you're going to feel like crap. But it just, you know, it's very important, especially when someone that looking to eat clean or someone that's, you know, changing their diet, they have goals, weight loss goals. The gym is your solution, but 70% of that, in my philosophy, in my opinion, is life is your nutrition. You can go work out, you know, seven days a week, but if you're eating crap food all the time, eh, it's not going to work. So it's all about what you give, you know, what you put into your body and what you're going to get out of your body. So, like, well, my meal prep, I have a lot of lean meats, wild-caught fish, seafood. A lot of times I have cod on the menu, mm-hmm. I have some salmon on the menu. I do offer, you know, some vegan vegetarian options. I also have traditional meals, which is basically like, you know, a starch, a veg, and your protein. And then I have, you know, the lower-carb meals, which either are salads or instead of rice, it would be a cauliflower rice or if it's a uh, protein, it might be like a sweet potato or a potato on the lower end of carbohydrates. So like those meals are running about 38 grams or less of carbs, whereas the kai rice, those meals run about 25 grams or less per meal. Hmm. So I always have a great selection. I try to, you know, target everyone if I can. With me being, you know, a certified chef and allergy certified for cooking so many restrictions, I like to offer vegan vegetarian options as well. On my menu because you know there's a lot of you know this day and game there's a lot of people converting over into a plant-based diet because it's a lot more you know healthier for you for your body so i like to try to have something for everyone if i can one of my clients when they do like their luncheon some of them like to have like they eat so much you know as far as you know, like, like to call it the hungry man so hmm. i take my chef ball basically just make double, you know, make a one and a half servings versus, you know, one serving. 
Mm-hmm. So when that happens, you know, I give, you know, like those like the shop guys or a big uh, cabinetry company here in Nazareth, they'll get like the hungry man size of the chef bowl. Oh, um, so, um, you know, like I said, I'm all about just the calorie intake and low carbs. I don't believe in like friend diet or friend diet, you know, I believe in like eating right, eating a well-portioned meal and you'll be, you'll be fine. There were some of these diets out there that want you to have so much fat and you can have this. To me, right. I don't, you know, I don't really necessarily believe in that. I believe in just, you know, eating a well-balanced meal proportion-wise, but also considering, you know, your calorie intake today. Right, because the science shows that if you, I mean, no matter what kind of diet you're on, you're you're usually restricting something, and if you restrict too much, then it tends to backfire at some point like you mentioned and that's not good for your late long-term health or your long-term weight loss goals so you kind of have a better a more balanced approach to it and and I should mention that all of his you know items the the chef meals include the nutritional information they include the allergen information so you can see before you order you know how much fat, you know, how many grams of carbs are in it. And I think people will find that really helpful. To back up a minute, Chef Meals is basically like a pre-order meal service where, you know, you come out with a menu every Sunday and then you take orders for that menu until Wednesday for the following Monday. So you can then get your your order delivered or you can get it right at Dewey Fire Company in Hellertown. And you can order like one meal or you can order meals for the whole week and have and have them ready to go so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, did I explain that right? Yes, yes, okay. correct. Yep, so basically, you know, it's a weekly, you pre-order your meals for the week and then you order by Wednesday at 10 o'clock and then cut it off. And then you, the link will go back live Sunday, and then you have about three days to place your order for the following week. One thing about my service, Josh, is that it's not a subscription, so you're not tied into an actual like being committed. Mm-hmm. You know, so some of these, you know, meal deliveries, you have to be committed to it, or you have to opt out each week. With me, I don't believe in tying into a contract or any kind like that. I believe in giving you a good product, a good service. I'm always believing you know feedback word of mouth to my customers. Right. No, and I think that's that's a great way to to have it set up too. Because yeah, I mean, some people shy away from those types of services because there's a commitment, and you know they want to have flexibility. So you definitely offer that. The, you know, the the meals come in real convenient packages and. Basically, it's just ready to go, heat and eat, and they have the information, of course, right on the on the label, and uh, an expiration date. A couple ones that I've enjoyed were the the blue cheese chicken meatballs, which were like amazing, yes. <laughs> and the lime chicken. I think yeah, it, lime chicken breast, yes. Yeah. And that, oh, and the Memphis tenders, if you like spicy food, you definitely need to try his Memphis tenders because it's like a chicken with, with a certain, well, it's a hot spicy seasoning on it. Amazing. So everything I've had has been delicious. And you have about, 
12 to 14 options each week, right? For the chef meal? Yes, that's correct. Yes, that's correct. You'll get an email every week. You just go on his website, chefmeals.co, and sign up, and then you'll get the email, and then you have a form that you use to order it from, although I know you said you're working on redoing your website so that it's a little easier for the customer and for you to update the options every week, right? Yes, correct. The back end is about, you know, loving your process when you get started. And um, so, yeah, I'm currently working on the back end of the website right now, actually. I'm going to have like an online store. You have like a login. You can actually get emails each week of the menu. It's up. It's there. I'm currently working on the back end of that, you know, with uh, my website developer. And she's doing great work. She's another, she's local right in Easton. So it's like, I'm always about the local people that help you know see what i'm doing it's going to be great because i'm not gonna lie it's uh i'd rather you know focus what i do best and the stuff that the more you know tech stuff on the back end that can take a lot of my time which has to take a lot of my time right i'm always about you know working the process and just getting through you know, the next level so that's where i'm at right now so i'll probably say within like a month or two that should be up and running with the new online, you know, actual ordering and so forth. Right. And we'll definitely help you get the word out about that when the time comes, because it'll be, I'm sure it'll be a great update. And and I totally am I'm glad that it's going to save you time, because that's going to give you more time to do what you love, which is be in the kitchen and coming up with new new recipes and new options. So... Definitely look for that. And also, I want to mention that you have a great Instagram and Facebook, but really Instagram, like the photos just pop. What's your Instagram handle? Oh, my Instagram handle is underscore Chef Mills. Okay. Yeah, so follow Chef Joe on Instagram, and you update that regularly with whatever it is that you're you're cooking up, and all the photos are are really enticing. Something else that you have though now is called Chef Street Kitchen, and this is more like a, a pop-up, I guess, kind of. Well, right now it's it's mainly curbside pickup, and this is like also a Dewey Fire Company, and you're doing it every Saturday, right? I'm actually doing it pre-launch right now, Tuesday through Friday. I'm gonna be doing that menu from 11:30 to 5:30. Okay. And Saturday, I do I'm doing breakfast serve all day but it'll be open from eight to two that chef street kitchen menu that all started you know i used to do a few breweries you know people would just want comfort street level food so it it took me a while i had to think about you know what i've been doing and you know just thinking what the demand was i was known for these i'm gonna be known for fat subs it's a whole different it's a whole it's like a whole different level of food Besides what I've been doing, you know, no prep. But basically, it's just, you know, comfort food for people that are out there at Dewey. You know, it's basically going to be the menu for Dewey at the bar. That's how you can uh, get that food, order online, which we're currently working on right now with that whole system, with our POS system. It's a mix of, like, comfort food on a roll, some street nachos, wings. We're about seven different flavors right now. I have my kabukis, which is like <laughs> uh, a dessert. It's a perfect bite, 
But if you're a sweet person, um, I'm not sure if you'd be able to just eat one. It's a small menu, so it's about, you know, about, I want to say about 20 different options, but it's just, it has a lot of, you know, different proteins and everything's fresh. Part of my mission is, you know, working with local farmers. So, you know, I have all natural pork, you know, grass-fed beef, you know, non-GMO chicken. So it's about, you know, good quality food. That's saying, like, say food is the mood for mm -hmm. Chef Street Kitchen. With Chef Mills, is you know, better food, better mood. Which actually kitchen is, you know, food is a mood. <laughs> I gotcha. Well, and just to highlight what you just mentioned, the, the kabuki, and I've had this, uh, the oatmeal raisin one, but they're all different flavors. It's like a cross between a cupcake and a cookie. So it's like a, kind of like a fat cookie in a way. <laughs> and really moist, just delicious. So, but it's not like a huge, like you said, it's not a huge... It's not like one of these monster cookies or, you know, supersized or anything. It's just enough to, you know, satisfy your craving for something sweet. So that's a good option. And like you said, you, you know, you have the fat subs and you have vegetarian options. This one to me sounds interesting. They, the fat vegetarian Italiano, roasted vegetables, fried ravioli, penne a la vodka and garlic parmesan potatoes topped with marinara sauce and mozzarella cheese sauce and this is on a roll right yeah it's on a roll <laughs> so, <laughs> so you got like yeah, so bread I, just pasta yeah. and potatoes yeah it's it's all on a roll it's basically a, a meal on, on, on a roll actually one of our, our first responders in color town matt actually got the italian today Mm -hmm. And I told him, man, when you eat this thing, you might want to take a nap when you're done. Yeah. So he he, he lifted. He's like, wow. I was like, yeah, man. I was like, you know, it's it's you no. Know, those subs are literally meant for two people. Mm -hmm. You know, um, unless you're extremely extremely hungry, I would say, yeah, go for it. But honestly, I you know the way they're designed, you know, they're meant for two people. Right. But you know, it's like. It's just it's to satisfy your comfort craving. Yeah. Well, definitely if you're hungry, you you know, this is the menu that you want to probably check out. Some of the other things that you're planning right now are like a special Valentine's Day dinner, which is going to be both a takeout event and you're going to have dining in the banquet hall, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So we're currently working on that with the team. About a you know menu and drink special uh, drinks for that day, so that's basically going to be our plan. Is you know Valentine's Day, more like a uh, soft launch of reopening Dewey, and then you know later in spring, the actual grand opening. So Valentine's Day is what we're planning of like having like a soft, a soft opening. So that's going to be about you know right now I designed it for about four courses: apps, salad, main, and dessert. And right. We are going to work, you know, on the drink drinks as well. So we're currently, like I said, we're currently working on that right now, working out the kinks in that and how we want to um, get it all designed and set up and ready. So Dewey's been close for a while, so seeing what it was until where it's at right now, it's it's amazing. I believe you know the community's gonna love it. You know they're doing a great job over there of renovation. It's great, you know, so I'm seeing all, all aspects of it all, each day. It's going well. 
Yeah, I'm really excited to, to see it. And and I, I keep getting, you know, hearing updates about what's going on. But yeah, I think a lot of people will, will want to come out because they're curious about that. And, and they'll want to like, of course, you know, try the menu. The hall is big. I mean, so there, there will be limited seating, but there will still be room to, you know, spread out. And like I said, you'll, you'll have the option to get take out of course this is only about a month away now beyond that the bar is hopefully going to open like in the spring early spring time frame you said like march or april sometime around then yes yes correct yep that's so the, that's the plan right so we'll have lots more information and i'm sure we'll have a story about that with photos you know once once the time gets closer, like partly because of COVID, you know, there was sort of like no no need to rush, I guess, and, and open it because there are restrictions right now anyway. So it would be it wouldn't be like normal if they were opening tomorrow anyway. Although, you know, you can have indoor dining right now, but there are limits on the on the capacity. So definitely, you know, check out Joe's website. You also offer like other other services too right like personal chef and run down the, the list yeah. yeah so i offer all the services i am a personal chef you know i do that i don't do as much as i used to because now i have you know the whole gooey so i do offer you know if you and your other half looking to have some have an experience you know want a chef to come into your house you know that's where i come in i I actually design, I create a menu for your special day, or if you just have a certain food restrictions that either you're an extremely picky eater, <laughs> or you just have a lot of uh, food alley restrictions that you can't really get nowhere else, so you hire a personal chef to do basically you know, flexible to your needs, you know, right to the tea. Mm-hmm. You know, so I do offer that, and also, I am a chef consultant as well, so um, I've been in this industry for so long. I like to say um, I'm like um, Jeff Tepper when it comes to bar rescue. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I like to help, you know, you know, just come into an existing establishment and seeing where they are, you know, they need to the help at. And a lot of times in this industry, in the food industry, it's about how your leadership is run and your back end of things. I'm all about systems, you know, creating systems for you, helping, you know, taking your recipe that you might even have on a piece of notebook pad or it's still on top of your head, but you need to really get that out to be consistent, persistent throughout your, you know, your menu or just you need more innovation, you know, when it comes to trends, food trends. So I do that as well. With part of that background is I did have a lot of incubator space over the years. So I work with, you know, people with new startup coming to new kitchens. So I mentor them and teach them. Uh-huh. Um, so I like to say what I enjoy the most out of my career these days is about, you know, teaching and mentoring people. And that leads me into like, what I really like to do is like these cooking show parties for kids, birthday parties, you know, you cook along with Chef Joe. Which uh-huh. I did a lot of that during this whole pandemic virtually. I used to do a weekly cooking shows with me. Mm-hmm. It's fun, you know. Uh, I, I enjoy it. I actually have my little one. You know, I do have a YouTube channel, Chef Joe Cooking Show on YouTube. And that's where you'll find me with my seven-year-old. Sometimes I think she's the boss, you know. But uh, <laughs> that's, you know that's who she is. You know, she's she seems really, a little sassy, really, yeah. Uh, 
She's, yeah, she's a very intelligent seven-year-old, put it that way. And uh, it's fun. It's been a while since we did it, you know, something. But um, you can definitely check out the the YouTube channel. You get the NNG Cormor Bell. I'm about sense of humor, you know, having a good time and just it's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's part of you know other services that I do is that you know the cooking along with Chef Joe will be great over at Dewey as well because you know we have the commercial kitchen. You know, so if you're you know doing a birthday party and just you want know, something different besides a regular birthday party, that could be something that getting parents involved with the kids in the kitchen. You know, team building. You know, they're learning measurements. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's about science. You know, it's like have fun in the kitchen. So with that, I I provide aprons. I have little mini chef hats for the kids. I also have a certificate that it will be all addressed to them, signed by me. And each kid is a, a chef champion in the kitchen. So I'll give each kid an actual a medal for them. You know, being in the kitchen, having fun. Like I said, it's That's all about awesome. good time and also have um, plastic, actually kid nice. They're like the hard plastic, but they're not like the real thing. So right. Those things are, you know, really fun. It could get messy, but it's fun though. Yeah. And it's it's interesting, you know, seeing little kids, how they adapt and what their creative minds can do. My kids, you know, a lot of them seem to been in the kitchen with me. But my little one, she's been literally since the car seat, she's been in the kitchen with me. So it's a good thing, just teaching them cooking skills, and it's fun. It's about bonding, man. Kitchen, anything around, you know, what we do in life around our food. Yeah. You know, sitting at the dining room table. So it's always about food. I believe, you know, something different. But, you know, parties would be like, you know, cooking along with Chef Joe. Yeah. And and a couple other things I just want to mention quick before we, we close it out. You're, you're going to be part of Saucon Valley Restaurant Week, which is coming up real soon. Starts on... This Sunday, January seventeenth. What do you know? What you're gonna have? Yeah, so I'm offering right now. I have a um, special going on with my sheffles. So basically, you know, you'll get ten percent off the sheffles for the week. So, so what I want to do is, you know, I have my ordering, but I also have stuff available throughout the week. A limited supply of certain different meals, which I have available. So if you miss the cutoff or you or you just want to try a meal. Mm-hmm. You know, I will have that available on site at Dewey. Okay. You know, you just either, you know, text me, call me, and, you know, and um, I'll bring out the meal to your curbside. And, of course, you know, we're closed right now. So that's what I got going on for the week, restaurant week, is just, you know, getting um, my shepherds out there because it is that month, you know, it's January. This is when people have their new goals that you want to, you know, new me, new you. Mm-hmm. So I figure I'll offer something around that that can help people achieve their goals and no prep is you know it's a very big important process of losing weight or trying to maintain a good healthy diet is because if you have food that's available for you you're going to eat that if you don't have food available for you you're just going to grab whatever you want to grab absolutely and then the other thing i wanted to just touch on is that you've always had from our conversations i know that you've always had a community commitment and you're bringing that to Hellertown, and you have a goal of helping to improve the nutrition of our of our first responders, especially the firefighters who you're getting to know real well. And a lot of times, they their diets suffer just because of their schedule, and you know, uh, being up for for long periods of time or being out at fire scenes. Tell us a little bit about about that and and how you're helping. Yeah, so I uh, recently started a GoFundMe to help 
about 500 and between 500 and 550 first responders, one mil or 500 to 550 mils total in starting here in Hellertown. Because these people are their frontline workers, you know, they put their life out on the line every day and they're away from, they're away from home from their families and they're not eating a well-balanced meal. They're just working on fumes, so just, you know, lack of sleep. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, I'm always about giving back. I always was like that, you know, working with underserved Bourbon Youth for so many years at Princeton University. And it feels good that helping, you know, starting something that can feed, you know, our, you know, first responders a well-balanced, mindful meal that can give them a good, you know, nutrition, you know, for the day, give them, you know, energy and something they can, wow, this is, you know, a wholesome meal versus something that's fast and processed and that really, you know, nutrition value behind it. Mm-hmm. So I'm always about, you know, helping first responders because, like I said, every day they're out there, you know, 24-7, you know, they, they don't get no days off. You know, it's a 24-7 operation. Yeah, and, and I, I, I'm sure that, that they'll appreciate that and, and you'll probably uh, maybe develop some new customers too because, like you said, that, you know, when you're doing that kind of job, you need energy over a period of time. Like, you don't want to eat something that, it's just empty calories and then you crash because that's that's not going to be good but the the healthier food will will give you that sustained kind of energy and yet you got to try out chef meals for yourself like i said check out the website and instagram you're on facebook you're on youtube keep in mind restaurant week hellertown lower sock and restaurant week is a is a great opportunity to try not just joe's food but many other restaurants in the area are going to have deals and they'll be offering takeout options as well so look for more information about that on sock and source and we also have the story about chef meals from last week on sock and source and that has all the links in it to all your different channels and platforms and Thank you again for joining us. It's my pleasure to welcome our guest, Susan Bartles, who is the Chief Executive Officer for Big Brothers, Big Sisters of the Lehigh Valley, which is certainly a a worthwhile organization that I think many of us are familiar with, but she's going to remind us about what they do, and uh, thank you for joining us, Susan. Thank you, Josh. I really appreciate this opportunity to come and talk about Big Brothers Big Sisters. Absolutely. Let's start off with talking a little bit about the organization itself. Big Brothers Big Sisters is an organization that essentially partners children with adults who mentor them and act as role models and it's been around for a long time. How did it begin and how did you get involved with it? Sure, no, that's a great question. So I would be remiss because we're a, an affiliate of Big Brothers Big Sisters of America. So I'm gonna talk about the origins of Big Brothers Big Sisters of America and then I'll talk about how locally we came to fruition. So basically back in 1904, there was a New York City court clerk who saw a bunch of boys that was coming through the court system. And he realized that having a mentor could help and prevent those youth getting involved in the court system. Hmm. And so that's basically how Big Brothers Big Sisters movement started. 
they saw a need and they set out to recruit Big Brothers to address that need. And simultaneously, the ladies of charity in New York City were also befriending girls who could benefit from having a positive role model. And so that's how Big Brothers Big Sisters of America came to be. And because we're an affiliate, basically in 1971, same thing happened in Lehigh County. A group of people said, there's a lot of boys that really could benefit from having a positive role model. And at the time, there was 1,400 youth that they identified that could really benefit from having a big brother. Wow. And so Big, brother, big, big Brothers, it was just Big Brothers at first, in Lehigh County started. And then over time, a Northampton County chapter started in 1980, that started. And then in 1986, they became Big Brothers Big Sisters of Lehigh Valley. They joined forces. They also became more inclusive and saw the need for both Big Brothers and Big Sisters to offer that service for both boys and girls. Wow, but it wasn't really until the 80s that girls were sort of included. Yeah, and and the Northampton chapter, when they formed, they were actually Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Northampton County. And it took about six years before Lehigh County included girls. Huh. So, yeah, so there was a bit of a journey of, like, you know, and, and that still remains, like, the children that we have more of a need for is always more big brothers. We need more men to mentor boys. Mm-hmm. So that's still the case, that the need is greater for boys because, you know, they just need a positive role model. A lot of the kids we serve are from single-parent homes. And so, you know, a parent guardian that is looking for male influence will call our office more readily than maybe a parent who's raising a girl. Huh. Do you normally get calls directly from parents and guardians, or do you get referrals from, like, organizations on behalf of children? Both, actually. Because we have such a brand recognition, a lot of times people will call us directly because Mm -hmm. they want a positive role model for their children or child. And then we also have good relationships with the school counselors and local other local nonprofits that will make referrals to us as well. Hmm. Now tell us a little bit about the process of becoming a big brother or big sister because I'm curious to know about that. Obviously you want people who are are going to make a real commitment because these kids in many cases have been let down, I'm sure, in the past by adults and the last thing you want is to partner them with somebody who's going to be there one day and then sort of gone, you know, the next week. How do you screen people and and find prospective candidates and then ultimately get them on board for a long period of time? Yeah, so you bring up a great point. We ask for a 12-month commitment in our traditional community-based program. And what I mean by that is pre-COVID, you would you know, go to the child's home, pick them up, and do things in the community. Of course, now in COVID times, there's not as much to do in the community. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you would do things out in in the community, expose them to new opportunities. And so in that program, you know, it takes about six to nine months for sometimes for the children to trust you, to know that you're going to be consistent and that you're going to show up. 
So we do ask for a 12-month commitment so that relationship can form and grow and develop, and then you can have the positive impact that you're looking to have on the life of the child. You know, basically what we look for in a mentor is someone who's going to be consistent that can make that 12-month commitment. You obviously have to have some affinity for children. You, you know, want to influence them or be a role model or guide them and direct them. So we're looking for that. But the basic thing that really matters the most is that consistency. Right. Somebody that can meet two to two to three times a month is kind of the minimum commitment that we ask for and then that year. So but, we have adapted some of our programs to create opportunities for folks that can't make that type of commitment. So we have a couple of group mentoring programs that actually take place at our office hmm. as a way to engage people that can't make that 12-month commitment. Okay. So so in the group mentoring, you have a group of children and then like different adults coming in to sort of mentor them? Yeah. So what we started, this program called Littles to Be, and it's exactly kind of what it sort of describes. So we have all these youth that are matched in a one-to-one mentoring relationship, and then we have a number of youth that are waiting to be matched. And so they're not yet a little in the one-to-one mentoring program. And so we created this program called Littles to Be. It takes place on the second Wednesday of every month. And in that program, we provide and host at our building the activity. So we do a lot of STEAM activities so that we can expose youth to, you know, different career opportunities that could be imagined by seeing what STEAM looks like. We recently started a STEAM lab at our building and at our facility. So, you know, it's enrichment type activities. We plan the activity and a mentor only has to come three times a year. Hmm. So it's a great starter program for somebody that's like, I'm, I'm interested, but I'm not sure I really have the time that I can commit to it. Right. And so this is a great way to be introduced to it. Um, we plan everything. There's low risk from, from an involvement standpoint. And then the goal is for us to match the children in the Littles to Be program in one-to-one relationships so that we always have a pipeline of Littles in mm-hmm. that program that can in eventually become one-to-one matches. Gotcha. That sounds that sounds like a great idea. As far as the individual who is a big brother or big sister, if they're a parent themselves, are their children allowed to interact with the child that's in the program? Or is this always just like one-on-one, the adult and that child in terms of like the activities they're doing or the time they're spending together. Yeah, so what I would say is you want to introduce your family over time. So the initial focus of that relationship should really be Mm one-to-one. But over time, you become family with that child. So I'm going to use myself as an example. I started as a big sister actually in college. Hmm. My first little sister name is Maisha, and she lives in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And two of my biological sisters live in Harrisonburg, Virginia. So when I go down to visit my two sisters, I will see Maisha. You know, Maisha's married, has two children, and my sister has taught, as a teacher, has taught her, her, one, her son. Huh. And so it's interesting how over time, you know, but I didn't introduce her to my family 
right away, right? right. <laughs> so over time, you create this web of relationships that expand beyond just you and that individual, but you don't want to overload them. You want to get to know that person first and form that bond, and then you can introduce your family, the things that you're passionate about to that child and vice versa. They also introduce you to their family and their extended family and, and the things that they're passionate about. But you have to kind of do it in incremental steps so that you can really form that lasting bond. Hmm. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. As far as like the organization, like you said, has been around for a long time, over a hundred years. So obviously you're doing a lot of things right. What are, what are some of the, the outcomes of the program, the positive outcomes? Like, are there statistics or anything like that as far as, like, children being, like, you know, more likely to go to college or something like that because they've been mentored by somebody in Big Brothers, Big Sisters? Yeah, a couple things we measure. We do a pre and post survey for the littles involved in our program. Last year, 96% could see themselves graduating high school and going on to pursue future career or post-secondary education. So college, trade school, get a job, you know, be, you know, a contributing member of society. Mm-hmm. So 96% could see themselves in that, see themselves in that future. 100% were uninvolved in the juvenile justice system. So according, you know, we're trying to be a preventative program. So we right. want to make sure we keep kids on the straight and narrow and um, out of the court system. They also improved their relationship with our peers. There was a 90% improvement there, as well as their parental trust. So they have more trusting relationships with their family and their parents specifically. So there was a 90% rate of that as well. Great. Before we had this interview, you mentioned that January is actually National Mentoring Month, which I didn't know that, but that's a great idea. Do you have anything special happening with Big Brothers Big Sisters in observance of that? Yeah, so we're going to be thanking our our mentors, you know, for an organization that's driven by volunteers. We want to make sure that we express our gratitude. So definitely having something that we will offer to our mentors as a, as a sign of appreciation. We're doing a meet and greet of our new mentors in a couple weeks, January 19th is the date. So new mentors to kind of thank them, bring them on board, help them understand how valuable they are to us. So we'll be doing that in a virtual environment, you know, just trying to figure out in COVID world what else we can do safely. So it's been a little more challenging to try to figure that out. but. You know, we definitely also use January as a month to recruit new people as well as thank our current mentors. Right. And I wanted to touch on that, too, like as far as COVID safety and uh, you obviously want to keep everybody safe, the children and and the big brothers and big sisters. Do they utilize technology in order to you know stay connected with each other like zoom or anything like that has that become part of the norm yeah it has there's some really creative things that have found some unique ways to stay connected so i was going to tell you two stories one one of our big 
big sister, little sister matches, every week when they are going to get together, the big sister will drop off at her little sister's house some kind of project that they're going to do, whether it's a cooking project or a craft project. And then, you know, in the next few days, they get together on Zoom and they go through that project together. So they've you know, baked together, they've done craft projects together, all through the Zoom platform. That's um, a great idea. And so, very unique, creative ways. Some matches are still getting together and doing limited things. Like, for example, last week, one of our matches came to our building together and made a gingerbread house. Oh, wow. So, we're trying to offer our site as a safe place for matches to meet, because it's you know, big, a big area. Mm-hmm. If you're the only two people there, it's, it's a, a clean and safe environment. And so we're trying to be creative that way. We've definitely launched a few virtual options for people to engage. In September, we actually launched a Beyond School Walls program, which is basically a workplace readiness program. And it's cohort based. So we get 10 employees from a company that are then matched with children who, you know, aren't in a one-to-one relationship. Mm -hmm. They get together on Zoom. We host it, facilitate it, and then they have their own one-on-one mentor and go in breakout rooms to talk about, you know, career readiness. So in January, they're going to actually do like a career fair. They took a survey of what their little wanted to learn more about, and so we're going to have some guest speakers come in and talk about what does it look like to be a surgeon in today's environment, and what does hmm. it look like to be a carpenter in today's environment. And so it's just a great way to expose youth to what it looks like to have a career, and maybe talk through with their mentor you know, what do they need from a soft skills perspective and what do they need from a hard skills perspective and reinforce that they could go to college and reinforce that they can be, you know, they have great potential. They just need somebody to defend them and and be their champion. So, yeah, we've been excited about some of those opportunities that have come out of COVID for us. Yeah, that that sounds like a a great way to adapt to to these challenges. and, And I'm sure... I'm sure everyone will be excited when you can, we can have like normal activities again. And I wanted to ask what, what were some of like the most popular things for, for big brothers and big sisters to do with their little brothers and little sisters pre COVID? Like I'm imagining like going to sporting events or, you know, fishing, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I would say sporting events, restaurants, going to coloring mines, Mm-hmm. going to, you know, the local Starbucks, going to whatever restaurant, whatever Phantom's game is taking place, Iron Pig. Right. All those definitely within the realm of positive interactions that our big and little would have. So now it's much more limited. You know, there's not as much going on in the community, so there's not as much that they can go to. But, um, you know, maintaining that relationship is so critical in, inside of COVID, you know, now more than ever, you know, having somebody to talk them through what they're experiencing with COVID is really important and uh, right. critical for their future success. So, you know, we've been really trying to adapt and be innovative with our mentors about how else you can support and what you can do. 
for the holidays, we usually have this holiday party where, you know, 150 people come into our building and, you know, we have gifts for everybody. Well, this year we did more of like a drive-through party. Uh-huh. So big and little can come with their mask on. We hand them the gift. We take a picture and they go. We gave them like the little activity kit that they could do. We gave them a little snack bag. But it was basically come to the office, get everything, get your gift, get your activity kit, and then we sent them on their way. So some came together, some came separate, some parents brought. You know, we still were able to distribute 160 gifts to the littles in our program. So that was a success. I went to a few events like that. (laughs) It's like, how was it? Uh, Brief. Yeah. But but it was it was important just to do something rather than, you know, just the act of trying, I think, helped a lot of people feel better. It was it was reassuring in a way. So I'm sure it was the same for your uh, participants. Exactly. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to ask, like if if somebody's partnered with a child and, and they, you know, they're they're doing everything right, but they're maybe uh, feeling like they're, they're having a hard time connecting for whatever reason. Do you have like special resources to help that big brother or big sister? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Actually, one of the things that makes big brothers, big sisters different than other mentoring programs is each match is assigned a coach. So we call them the match support specialist, but each person has a coach that they can turn to. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that person is there to give them resources, connect them to, you know, other services. Like if the family needs food because they have food insecurity, they would make connections to food banks. So, you know, that, that staff person is really key to that success, mm-hmm. successful relationship. And so each person has someone, and yeah, we're connected to what's happening in the Lehigh Valley from other nonprofit perspectives. So we absolutely make referrals, we help support, we provide ongoing training opportunities because you can't do it alone. And so it's really critical from our perspective that we guide and direct the whole way through that match relationship. Right. No, that's, that's good to know, and I always wondered about that. For people that are listening to this and thinking, well, you know, that sounds like some something I might want to do, I would like to give back, what's the first thing they should do if they're interested in becoming a big brother or big sister? Yeah, I would say go to our website. We have a lot of information about big brothers and sisters there. There's a place where you can enter your information, and then it would get assigned to a staff member who would reach out and then figure out what program makes the most sense for you as a volunteer. Yeah, so that's the the first thing I would tell anyone to do is to go to our website. And the same for somebody who has a child, you know, maybe a single parent. Yeah, absolutely. If someone, you know, and, and we did talk about the criteria for a little brother or a little sister. Basically, the children are 7 through 17. Mm-hmm. And so if someone, you know, is out there and really could benefit from having a positive role model for their child or 
their children, you know, again, the same thing, go to our website. There's a, a place on our website where you could get more information about enrolling a child in the program. And then you would just put your information there. And again, a staff member would be in contact to, to figure out the program and solutions for your child. Great. And I'm just going to mention that your website is bbbslv.org. And Correct. it's a great website, very easy to navigate. Uh, right on the on the top of the homepage, you have some numbers that are pretty striking. 382 children served, 244 active matches, 277 children waiting for a mentor. So mm-hmm. the need is, is really considerable. And I'm sure that, like you said, you, you always need new mentors so if you're listening to this and think that you know it might be something that that you'd enjoy and and that you can help with definitely consider it thank you susan so much for your time and and for telling us more about big brothers big sisters of the lehigh valley yeah well thank you for the opportunity i'm just going to say one other thing the interesting thing any if you volunteered before this will resonate right Anytime you volunteer, you come into something and you think you're going to give something of yourself to somebody else. But the return on the investment and how you feel is just the hidden surprise. That's what I call it. And so we hear story after story of volunteers that say, I got involved because I really wanted to help a child. But the impact that it had on that volunteer is equally, if not as great, of an impact back. So there's definitely a lot of value that volunteers get from from being a big brother or big sister with us. Right. No, thank you for for making that point, which is so fundamental, but can easily be, I think, overlooked, you know, with everything else going on. I know I've gotten that out of volunteering, not not for your organization, but for others. And uh, it's you can't put a price on it. And so... I, I, uh, I wish you all the best, and we'd love to, you know, help get the word out about Big Brothers Big Sisters in the future via Sock and Source, and thank you again. Thank you so much. We've been recording No Rain Date since late 2019, and we've produced a fair number of episodes at this point. We would love to to hear your feedback about what we're doing. What makes you tune in every week? What ideas do you have for interview guests? Is there something that you think the podcast is missing? Feel free to share your thoughts, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent with us. You can do that by emailing josh at josh at sockandsource.com. No Rain Date is a local news and information podcast, and we focus on the Saucon Valley. However, our guests are from the Lehigh Valley and beyond. So please try and keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about ideas for future episodes. Thank you. No Rain Date is an original production of Saucon Source LLC. Our theme music is provided by This Way to the Egress. For more great music by them, be sure to follow This Way to the Egress on Spotify. Thank you for listening. Every night, he climbs the tower, sees your face on every dollar.